It is so good to be with you guys tonight. Seems like a long time since since I've been up here. I think the last time uh, I called, I was supposed to preach. I called Adam on Monday and said, man, I got this cold and I'm just going to take it easy. He said, okay, I'm having COVID tests tomorrow. I'll let you know. He says, okay, sounds good to me. And sure enough, I had COVID. So um, aren't you thankful I didn't come that Sunday? I thought you would be. I thought you would be. Um, Kristen and Kelly, that was amazing. Am I right? Sometimes we get a little off balance when the full band's not there, but it's just amazing what, what you two can do together and lead us in worship so beautifully. Thank you for that. I'm excited to be here tonight. Um, I got up this morning and uh, I put my hearing aids in and Sid was talking to me and I'm like, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And I thought, oh boy, this is going to be some fun day. So I went in and if you've ever known anybody with hearing aids, I took them out, cleaned them, put new little whatever they call those little things, those little things I put in there, put them back on, and uh, still I couldn't hear. Um, and I thought, oh, wow, this is really going to be fun. I can't hear, and I'm coming here tonight, uh, but at least I can speak. But as a last resort, I changed the batteries, and guess what? It's awesome. I'm so thankful for batteries. It's been kind of an interesting week planning what I, I, I prayed to God about this message to you, um, and it's changed at least six times, uh, the last time being yesterday. So there was just so much on my heart that I wanted to share with you, and it seemed like everywhere I looked, I got different ideas, I felt you know, what I've got to do is, is put all those ideas in a bowl and let the Holy Spirit blow over them, and the ones that are left are the ones that I bring to you. So um, I've struggled this week, but it was a good struggle, and I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me this message for you. I was visiting with Kristen earlier and finding out that... Uh, Last few weeks have really been tough for them. And life shouldn't be that tough, right? But I'm going to ask you, why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? I see the same faces over and over again. And, and I know that the reason we keep coming to church is to hear the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, of God's redemptive, uh, redemptive plan to include all peoples of the world. Amen? And we've got to continue to have that reminder. And this is how we pass the gospel down to our children, is they hear it today, they hear it next week. We pray for them. Uh, we prayerfully pray that their lives will be just overturned by Christ himself. But I'm so glad to be here because I need reminded of the gospel. It's a harsh world out there, right? Our summer has been extremely interesting. 
Um, in May, I turned 70, which I'm like, I've been sickly, kind of my 60s, so I'm hoping 70 is going to be very different. I'm going to be, I have everything fixed now, supposedly. And um, in June, our daughter, we were visiting with our daughter, and she said, I have some news for you. And we're like, okay, what? And she said, we're going to be moving to Colorado. Now, some of you don't know who my daughter is, but uh, she has three of the most adorable kids. And uh, we have spent the last eight years living right beside them. First thing we did was take down the fence, pave, pave in between the houses so that it would be uh, easy to go back and forth. And for eight years, Sid and I absolutely have been in heaven. And I'll even tell you, Sydney, the, the older one, um, she started, we have a coffee maker in our, in our bedroom, and she, at the age, ripe old age of four and a half, figured out how to come over, run the coffee maker, and she would serve us coffee in bed. I'm not lying. That is heaven, right? And she would do this. She, she did this for a long time. I don't know how long. But one night or, or one morning she came in and she woke me up and she said, KK, uh, it's time to get up. And I was like, oh, I felt like a train had hit me. I didn't want to get up, but I'm like, this is my grandchild. I'll do anything for my grandchild. So I got out of the bed, put my house shoes on, and, and started to go to the coffee bar to help her make coffee. And I just happened to look down at the time and it was 3.18 in the morning. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Sydney, we're not doing this this morning. We gotta lay back down, it's way too early. KK just can't do this. I'll do most things for my grandkids, but that was like out, out of question. So Misty, Misty said that she needed a fresh start and that she had one of her best friends lives in Colorado. She had been up there taking the kids the past couple of years for spring breaks and summer breaks, and she had fallen in love with it, and she just felt like this might be the place for her. And so Sid and I took about a week to really mope and groan with deep groans about they're not gonna be there anymore. And once we got that out of the way, then we started thinking, okay, God, help us through this time. We don't want to be selfish. We, we are going to miss them. And God was so gracious to, to lead us to a place of acceptance. In fact, I have in my journal, um, I wrote this. Today I ran across a sentence written by Amy Carmichael and was also passed on to Elizabeth Elliot. You guys know who those two are? You gotta know who those two are. I was profoundly touched by this as I thought of my struggle with Misty and the kids moving to Colorado. And that sentence was, in acceptance lieth peace. And God put that on my heart for reminding me that I am trusting in him 
as I accept and support Misty, expanding her wings, and not only that, but Sid and I are extremely happy for her and the kids. Uh, we just got back from Colorado um, the last couple of weeks, and they are just flourishing. They love the mountains and the deer and the elk that are always in their yard. Um, Bill Brown shaking his head. Yes, I know what you mean. I've been there. But it is a little piece of heaven on earth. So we're really proud for her. And so this summer has been kind of our focus on with whatever time we have left with Misty and the kids, we're going to make it the very best we can. And I'm so thankful that God gave us that attitude because without him, we probably would not have been there. Well, right before they were getting ready to move, uh, Sid came home with COVID. He passed it to me. I passed it to the kids. Kids passed it to Misty. So a week before she left, we all had COVID. And it was really, really tough. I thought I had a lighter case. Um, it was just like sleeping all the time. And I'm like, I can do this, you know, without fever, headache. I can sleep all the time. And then the end of it developed into some congestion and some lung problems of finding it hard to breathe. Um, I lost about 25% of my lung capacity on breathing because I have asthma. But thank God, uh, I am back to normal right now. Sid got over his, Misty got over hers, the kids got over her, uh, uh, over theirs. About two weeks before she was planning to leave, we were telling our son, he said, we were talking to him, y'all know David who lives in Wichita, Kansas. We were talking to him and he, you know, he was asking about the house and we said, yeah, she's going to stage it next week and put it on the market. And uh, so the next day, we thought it unusual. He said, Sarah and I want to FaceTime you and Dad. So we got on, on FaceTime, and they said, you know, Misty's moving out. We would like to move in. And we did not know how to respond. Uh, it was disbelief because... He has a job in Kansas, right? He's not going to quit his job. He teaches at a Christian university. But he said, this is the way that we're going to try it out and see if it'll work. We're going to move to Dallas, and, da and, and Sarah has a job that she can do anywhere. It's online for a nonprofit. And we're going to stay there, and then I'm going to drive to Wichita whenever I have to be there. As a college professor, he doesn't have to be there all the time. And so October 5th, they moved in, just on the hills of Misty moving out. And I'm telling you, the grace and mercy that God gave us um, was tremendous. We had never imagined anything like this. We had no idea that they were even thinking about it. And I'll tell you what, I felt, I have felt like I should not share that with people because the way I look at it, I don't want people to feel badly whatever situation they're in. 
And maybe they look at us and say, ah, you know, a tinge of jealousy. But God changed my heart. And God said, you know what? You need to share with other people this because God can bless them too. And so I believe that with all my heart that we come, we grasp this gospel, we love this God, we dedicate our lives to Christ, and he will bless us. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I do believe if we are obedient that he will bless us. Could I hear an amen? Oh, yeah, I thought y'all would like that. Yep, you're exactly right. Thank you, Mark. Would you pray with me? Father, you have said, come to me and I will give you rest. We learn to live freely and lightly as we follow you. And we know life is just not supposed to be this hard. Sin has robbed us of our freedom and brought the burden to us. Come to me is the, t is the term of discipleship. Follow me. Learn to be yoked with me. Live Jesus' life and find rest. Father, we ask this in your holy name. Amen. I, I always like to up Pastor Adam. Don't, don't tell him that. But I had something to bring tonight, and I got to church and realized I had forgotten it. But several weeks ago, I was over to the Riddell's house, and Robin gave me a plant. And I, I'm sure, how many of y'all have received plants from Robin? Oh, yeah. You, you may know exactly the plant I'm talking about. But this plant she gave me, and I am so excited because I have not killed it. But it sets in my kitchen window, and I think it gets just enough light, and I try not to drown it. But it's called the mother of a million babies. Now, do y'all have that one? That, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So there's a slide up here since I did not get to bring mine. And if you look at it, it it's just beautiful. It almost looked to me like it had a little lace around each each leaf but those little lace things are individual seeds and they die and they fall down so can we see that next slide and this is what comes out of it now the master plant is up above and then all those little bitty plants are from a seed that fell and died, and then was, was received the nutrients and the water, and it will grow to be the size of that master plant, and that master plant will continue to produce. Got it? Isn't that lovely? And I just, this week I was looking at it, I was watering it, and I thought I wanted to share that with you for a couple of reasons. Number one, I can see that Jesus 
is the master plant. And with these little seeds are his disciples that fall to the ground, die, and then they grow a plant themselves. How beautiful is that to see that Jesus and his disciples. But also I thought of another thing that, that we'll talk about a little bit later. But that master plant is you and you. And as Christians, we grow this plant. And these little seeds are, are people that we have influenced with our Christ-like nature. And those seeds actually die, and you can look and see, and they start growing their, their own plant. So a little bit of tonight, we're going to be talking about the sphere of influence, which has really been on my mind a lot. Um, John 12, 23, 25, and we have a slide for that. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, just one seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That is just beautiful. And it boils down to our choice. Each of us has a choice of how we, how we live our own lives. Are we to take care of ourselves and only ourselves? Or are we to, be, to live a God-centered life? And that's what I want to talk just a little bit about tonight. Um, to be real honest with you, I vacillate between being self-centered and God-centered. That's why I come to church. That's why I do Bible study. That's why I pray, to be grounded in Jesus. And there are times when I fail, and I fail really badly, but I, I keep going to church. I keep following Jesus. So let's take a look at some of the um, things that, that represent the, uh, the self-centeredness, if you can read those. Um, the self-centered life is focused on self. And I think a lot of times we can look to Hollywood to find the best examples of how rich, rich people Fame, wealth have ruined people. I think of the Kardashians, which I've never watched an episode, but I'm familiar from just reading about them. And, and I see their world. Everything is centered on looks, is it not? And this is what our young girls are watching. This is what our young men are watching. So I would have to put them at the first of the list to be self-centered. Second, living a self-centered life. One is proud of self and self-accomplishments. Maybe it's a co-worker. Sid and I met years ago with a pastor in order to get to know him. 
We met at a coffee shop, and we met for about two hours. And in that two hours, Sid and I probably said maybe five words apiece because this pastor wanted so much to impress us that he was so self-absorbed with all of his accomplishments that it was easy to see that he was really drawing to the self-centered life, even as a pastor. Uh, being self-centered is self-confidence. It, it feels like we just don't need anything else if we can accomplish our goals. It depends on self and abilities, and it seeks to be accepted to the world and its ways. That's what's most important, is if you are accepted in our culture. It looks, for, it looks at circumstances from a human perspective rather than a God perspective. It chooses selfish and ordinary living. Think about the people you know who live a self-centered life. And I'm sure all of us can think of some people, maybe coworkers, friends, maybe family. The self-centered living. And this is, this is what the world wants to teach. This is culture in the best form when it wins over our people to live a self-centered life. This is being taught in magazines. Uh, Sid and I have a friend, Todd, who lives in New York, and he has a company that he works with photographers. They will send him uh, these photographs of women or men who are going to be on the cover of magazines, and it's his job to make them look perfect. And he, he had one, um, Nicole Kitman that he showed us on his screen. And she looked very beautiful, but her hands looked really, really old. And he said it took him so long to make her one hand that was showing look like she was 20. But he did it, and the first glance at that is, man, she is a bombshell. She is gorgeous, every bit about her. But that is the culture speaking. That's the culture saying to our young girls, you have to be like this. You want to be like this. Um, isn't that a shame? If you just go by a 7-Eleven and look at some of the magazines and look at what is being fed to our kids and our, our teenagers, so let's look at what does a, a God-centered life look like. And in this, I would like for you to think about who you know that lives a God-centered life. This person places confidence in God. He or she depends on God and his ability and his provision. He focuses on God and his activity. She is humble before God. She denies self. She dies to self to become Christ. He seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he seeks God's perspective in every situation. 
She chooses holy and godly living. Self-centeredness is a very subtle trap because it makes sense from a human perspective. It makes sense. God-centeredness requires the daily death. I said daily, not weekly, but daily death of self and submission to God. Do you believe that? You believe that? Are you out there? Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Um, when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, a beautiful, bountiful garden, he told them not to eat from one tree, and that was uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve saw the fruit, and it was so beautiful that she had believed the lie Satan told her about if you eat this fruit, it will make you wise and you'll be able to see good and evil. Eve reacted in a self-centered life. Potiphar's wife daily begged Joseph to go to bed with her. He told her, he, told her he could not do such a wicked thing and he could not sin against God. And when she tried to force him, he fled the room. He ran out and went to prison rather than yield to temptation. Potiphar was living the God-centered life. To be God-centered, we must deny ourselves. We must ask to be transformed. We don't just get transformed by asking one time. It takes a long time for many of us. Um, I heard a, a lady share this week a story from last weekend. And, and I believe in sharing stories. I think, it, I think it, we see God in other people's lives, right? We are bearing witness when we share our God stories. She, her name was Linda, and her daughter-in-law's name was Sarah, and those are fictitious. Um, and Sarah had been married to Linda's son. They had a son five years old, and he was playing soccer. And so the grandparents, Linda and her husband, John, had just gotten over COVID, and they had already been vaccinated, and uh, they wanted to go see their grandson play soccer. And so they were told by their son, you can come, but don't get close to us because we're scared of catching COVID. And so they, were, they wore their masks. They went to the soccer game. They were sitting in the bleachers kind of to themselves. And after a while, there was a break, and their little grandson ran over um, to where the parents were, and the grandparents were not far away, and they stood up with him. And the grandfather patted him on the shoulder and said, you're doing so well. At which Sarah said, get away from him. Don't touch him. Y'all go back. Don't get close to us. And so the grandparents went back and sat down. And you can imagine there were some bad feelings among all of them. And so after the game, the little guy came running over, and he was, he was looking for his water, and Linda saw the water uh, 
What do you call those? Water. Water bottles. Thank you. And, and she got the water bottle and handed it to him. And Sarah came after her and said, do not touch his water. You get away from us. Don't touch us. We don't even want you here. To which Linda, in the human perspective, said, I am so tired of being disrespected by you. And they turned around and they walked off. And there were some real deep feelings on both sides. And I'm not taking sides, but I heard it from Linda. Linda went back to the house, and she was convicted of how she had had an outburst with him. And so she started praying. She said she cried first, and then she started praying. And God convicted her that she needs to see Sarah through his eyes, not the human perspective. And she kind of didn't know what that meant, but she was like, okay, God, I heard your voice. I will respond to it. That night, she called it a vision. It might have been a dream. But she said, I had a vision that night that Sarah, we were there, and Sarah was, was there, and she was screaming at us, get away, don't touch me, don't touch me. Only Sarah was a little girl. And she said, oh, how my heart broke. I was looking at Sarah now through God's per perception, not my own. And I know that she's going to have a different perception and a different reaction when she goes forward with Linda. We kind of judge people, right? All of us. Maybe you don't, but Sid and I do. We got back from Colorado. We landed at DFW, and we thought we would take um, Uber home. So Uber comes around. We waited for a long time, but finally Uber got there. And by the way, it's much too expensive now to take Uber from the airport, just so you know. Get a friend. But this car pulled up. And we had taken extra bags because we had taken a lot of things to Misty that she had left behind. So we had like four big bags, and then we had two medium and then carry-ons. So the first thing was she, she pulled up and she opened her trunk, and it was a disaster inside her trunk. And so she says, I'm not sure it's going to go, but she starts pushing things this way and that way. And Sid is the master um, fixer on packing things. So he packed it all, and whew, we got it all in the car. And then I noticed in the front seat that there's a dog in the car. Now, a lot of people love their animals, and I understand it, but Sid and I right now are animal-free, and he's allergic to dogs. And so we opened the back doors to get in. The dog jumped back on a, on a little bed where I should have sat. And I said, oh, you have a dog. And she goes, oh, yeah. I said, is this where he's going to stay? She said, no, 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 no. So she got the dog, and she put the bed up front. The dog jumped up. And immediately I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to write a review on this person. 
taking, you know, a sloppy car, having an animal in there when you don't know if people are allergic to it. I didn't know Sid was thinking the exact same thing. And we discussed this after we got home. But we kind of had a mat on for her. And as we started the drive, Sid engaged in conversation with her to find out that she is a pastor. And we, we asked what denomination, and she said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a member at this big, big church in Florida. And he, this guy who is in charge, he is just wonderful. He's one, and so, you know, we get excited. We're, you know, charismatic, and I'm thinking, okay, more write-up, you know. And then through that journey, and it was God, it was not Sid or me, both of us had a conviction. I don't know if it was the same time or not because we weren't talking about it. But for myself, I can tell you that I started thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got all these judgmental thoughts about her. She doesn't worship the way that I worship. She dances around the pews, and I'm not sure God would like that. And then it was like God struck me, wait a minute. She is a believer just like I am. And he said, it doesn't matter if she dances around the pews, as long as she believes and serves Jesus Christ. And boy, did I do backpedaling. I felt terrible. And I'm thinking, you know, she lives by herself. She only had this dog, and she was doing this to earn a living. And God just really, really broke my heart for this woman. I didn't realize he was doing the same thing with Sid. And we got to our house, and normally he tips very nicely. He tipped her very, very nicely because he was having the same thoughts. She comes from the family of God. And who are we to criticize her? Looking through God's eyes rather than our own. Isn't that a cool story? And I, I'm sure that you guys... You guys have your own stories. That's why I think it's so important to share, um, to share our stories. We, when I was growing up, a little girl uh, went to a small Nazarene church over in East Texas, and a lot of times, about once a month on on Sunday night worship, we would come. And the pastor would just say, I need to hear what God has done in your lives this week. And people would just randomly stand up and say, this has been a tough week for me, but God showed up. I'm so thankful to him. Somebody over here would. And, and it was just stories of bearing witness of what Jesus Christ can do. There is, uh, I think, one more slide, Rebecca. Oh, yeah. Does anybody know who this is? This is Howard Hendricks. Uh, he was a teacher and a professor at DTS for 60 years. 
I had the privilege of having him when I went down there. And he was affectionately called Prof. That's what everybody called him. Even the staff down there referred to him as Prof. He was the most joyful Christian I have ever met. First of all, the room was full. Everybody wanted to take his class. And I would get there about 30 minutes early so I could get right on the front row because I didn't want to miss anything that he said. And you see, the patch over his eye, he had a, he had a tumor in his brain. They removed it, and he lost sight in that eye. And in fact, he said for nine months he, was, he, he couldn't see and that was the most precious nine months he had ever spent with his Lord Jesus. He was just kind of, he was that person. You just wanted to learn from him. He, he made a quote. Let me see if I can say it. Um, find it here. He said, I don't want my students, I want my students to drink from the living water, not from a stagnant pool. So the idea was that we all need to be learning as long as we live. He taught over 10,000 students at DTS. He wrote 23 books. He was married faithfully for 66 years, and he had four children and six grandchildren. He was like that plant, the mother with a million babies. His sphere of influence was unbelievable. Students talked about him from way back. He started teaching there in 1951. That was the year I was born. And he taught up until he just absolutely could not teach anymore. I want to be like Prof. I, I want to love Jesus so much and follow God so closely that I can influence someone around me. And we all can be that influencer. We all individually have a sphere of influence. It might be your family. It might be your coworker. It, it, it might be somebody you don't even know who's watching you and seeing you live this joyful life like Prof. I want to end with this quote by St. Augustine. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance you will ever have. To seek him, the greatest adventure you will ever have. To find him, the greatest human achievement. My friends, I would love for you to chew on this this coming week. I would love for you to think about how many people are in your sphere to influence. You teachers, you have a lot of students watching you, just waiting waiting to see what you're like. And you have such tremendous influence on them. But we all have people we influence. So 
To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek Him the greatest adventure. To find Him the greatest human achievement. Let us bow in prayer. Father, thank you so much for sending your Son who walked this earth as we do, who we learn to follow because of his great love to the Father. Father, we love the Trinity. We want to be so much like Jesus who influenced so many people. Father, would you put that fire in our heart to love Jesus? Would you have the hot coals? Let us feel it. Let us have this hunger to learn more about him and the, and the hunger to see our people around us who don't know you to be able to be one who might influence that person. Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you for the Holy Spirit as you continue to stir within us. As we go into this week, I pray, Father, that we will all feel that stirring and we will know that it is you, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go now to serve Christ and follow him. Let your old life fall like a grain of wheat into the earth so that you may bear much fruit as you allow God to reshape your heart and live in obedience to the law written within you. And may God center you in truth and steady your spirit. May Christ renew your joy and strengthen your will. And may the spirit teach you God's hidden wisdom and fill you with the songs of rejoicing. We go in peace and love to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen.